Welcome back to Coasters and Creators. I'm your host, Aaron Johnston, and here we go behind the brand of influential content creators that are shaping theme park social media. Today I have on Peninsula of Thrills. He covers everything Cedar Point, a park I've never actually visited, and I'm excited to hear what he has to say. Let's get going. All right, so I started Peninsula Thrills in 2019, just as like, um, I had like a really bad camera back then, but I started just as like something to have fun with. But uh, the more I took photos with my camera back then, I realized that I actually really enjoyed taking pictures with like roller coasters at Cedar Point. So I just continuously evolved like my content, my editing and the equipment I have, like now I have a drone. I cover like Cedar Point stuff, Kings Island, and occasionally I post some things from Universal and other parks in Florida. You live in near Cedar Point? Yeah, I live 45 minutes away from Cedar Point. We've had a few um, coaster photographers on this season. Um, we just got done talking to, are you are you familiar with Jack from Thrilling Moment by chance? Yep. Okay. Yeah met him before tell me about i know you you briefly mentioned you found yourself enjoying you know photographing roller coasters but talk a little bit about how that's kind of developed over the years from maybe some of your some of your early um posts to to today so yeah at first it was really just basic i never really used lightroom or any anything that i use today um started off with just a point and shoot camera in 2019 and then in 2020 i got my first dslr and that's when i started using lightroom and stuff um started using different lenses and experimenting with longer lenses and i just kept building up so like i think in 2022 i got another new camera and that's when i also got my drone so with that i just kind of kept building and like gaining experience with the things that I do. And I think it just has evolved into something more. Yeah. Um, especially now with some of the edits that I've been doing on some of my more recent posts. Uh, yeah. At first, like I never thought I would be able to make pictures like the ones I do today. Hmm. Now, do you enjoy photography in general or is it really more of, or, or really roller coasters more of the interest? I would say Definitely at first, my interest was more on roller coasters, but like since 2022, I definitely have shifted more towards photography and kind of just mastering like my craft with that. Yeah. Now what's, what was the goal at the time when you first started this? When I first started, um, I never really had any goals. Um, I just started it because one of my friends said I should post some of my pictures on there. But, you know, the more followers I got, you know, I saw that people actually liked my stuff. So, like, in 2020, I think that's when I really started to make a goal to just, like, keep growing my account and keep taking pictures and keep getting better and try to make a name for myself in, like, Cedar Point. Well, so all that said, let's let's jump back for just a second. And I know you I know you are a uh, tell me. Well, let me ask. I don't want to assume. Would you call yourself more of a theme park guy or a roller coaster enthusiast? I would say mm, definitely a mix of both now, especially after going to Universal for my first time this last summer. Yeah. I definitely do enjoy the theme park aspect. It's just that I don't really have the opportunity to go out 
to those parks as much as I get to go to Cedar Point. But yeah, I've definitely seen myself drifting away from roller coasters a little bit, but like still taking pictures of them. I understand. Um, So all that said, let's go back in time um, to when maybe you were more of the roller coaster enthusiast, maybe. And kind of tell me how that came about or how that started. Yeah, so like I was really young. I was just watching like videos on YouTube and I saw um I think it was King Dakan. I was like, oh, that looks very similar to Dragster. And I was like, I don't know, it just like it blew my mind that there was like another ride that was very similar to ours and it's like yeah. a little taller. And I was like, oh, I want to know if there's like any other rides that are similar to Cedar Point's rides. And yeah, there are a lot. So, so, so did you did you grow up going to Cedar Point primarily? Yeah. From like, I think my first visit was like when I was three years old. So, yeah. Okay. So it's it's easy to it's it's very um, it's accurate to say you're you're an expert on Cedar Point. You think? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, let's let's land there for just a second. Tell for for folks who've never visited Cedar Point, uh, myself included. I think the closest I've come is is I guess it would be Kings Island. Um, and tell tell me a little bit about if you can, just about Sandusky the area, and and about visiting maybe Cedar Point for for the first time. Just about visiting the park. Yeah, so I would definitely say that Cedar Point is kind of like the main. Well, not kind of. It definitely is like the main focus of Sandusky. Like everyone in Sandusky goes to Cedar Point. It's like a big thing there. Um, there are definitely some smaller attractions like Put-in Bay and Kalahari. But, like definitely Cedar Point is like the main focal point. Yeah. So when I think of Cedar Point, I think of it more now as like an experience of like going there. Like especially if you uh, stay at Hotel Breakers, you like just get that full experience of like you know, all the rides and all the different things that you can do at the park. Like, yeah. So have you, have, have there already, have there always, I'm trying to remember now, have there always been resorts to stay actually kind of on property at at, um, Cedar Point? Or is that, is that a relatively new thing? Yeah, there's always been resorts there. I think, yeah, I think all of them have been around since at least the 1900s like hotel breakers and they have um, lighthouse point, which is like a camping ground. Yeah. And I think the express hotel is relatively newer. That's off site. Gotcha. And so like when I see, when I see um, video from Cedar point, I, I see that um, or I see that video coming in from, I guess, is it kind of coming in on, co- on a causeway um, oh, yeah. to Cedar point? Is it as impressive in person as it looks on video? I would say, yeah. I mean, seeing all those rides in one place, like you can almost see all every single ride, even the smaller ones from the causeway. Yeah. I would say it's very interesting and I'm very excited to see how that changes with uh top thrill too. Yeah. So if I'm visiting Cedar point for the first time, where do I need to stay? I would say you can stay off site, like at one of the other hotels. But I would say, like, if you want the full experience, you should definitely um, do Hotel Breakers or Lighthouse Point. Okay. Uh, is there a time of is there a time of year within season that you like better than another? Um, I definitely like Halloween weekends 
the most. Um, mostly because if you go like on a Thursday during Halloween weekends, there's like almost nobody in the park. Gotcha. You can walk onto any ride you want, really. But yeah, Halloween weekends I would say is really good because that's when they bring out the fog and the fog starts to interact with the roller coasters at night. And you can get some really good night rides from that. How many days do I need to stay in Sandusky for Cedar Point if I'm going if I'm focusing on Cedar Point alone? Definitely two, but I would try to do at least three. Okay. Let's go here. Talk talk to me about your um since we're focusing on Cedar Point here. Tell me what's your what's the favorite coaster at Cedar Point for you? So my favorite coaster at Cedar Point is uh Steel Vengeance, which I know isn't really a shot <laughs> to most people. But I actually got to work Steel Vengeance um this past season yeah. as a ride operator. So that was very fun i really enjoyed being able to like just be on the platform checking seats trying to get trains out as fast as possible and being around a ride that i love for a very long time i also just enjoy like the subtle theming um on the ride like the characters because all the trains have names and they say things as um the train leaves the station like i really like that it's something very simple but that's one of the things that i would say make cedar point a little bit more themed than some people like to um portray it as yeah especially with like the duel between maverick and steel vengeance like it's always like i don't know it's just really interesting interesting dynamic in frontier town do you have a favorite extinct um extinct attraction at, at cedar point um I would say the two that really stand out to me are Mantis and Mean Streak. Yeah. I would say Mantis was probably my favorite because I rode Mantis a lot as a stand-up roller coaster. And yeah. I don't remember I don't really remember it, but yeah. And I that was like the first ride I saw like the construction of, like from Mantis to uh Rougarou, which is a floorless coaster now. Yeah. So I would say that Mantis definitely holds a lot of like sentimental value to me. Yeah, because like that's when I first really started to get into like roller coasters and stuff like that. So tell me about this. I don't. This is not what this um, podcast is about. But whenever we have somebody on that has has a particular role in the theme park industry, I always always love to dig into that because a lot of people don't get that that insight. Often, have you? Um, how many seasons have you worked at Cedar Point? I've worked two seasons at Cedar Point. Did you come in as a ride oper- operator for both of those seasons, or did you did you do something different the first season? Ride operator for both seasons. Okay. Yeah. Were you at Were you at Steel Vengeance for both? No. So actually, last year I started at um like Pipe Scream, and I worked Power Tower and Corkscrew. Okay. And like Slingshot for my first season, which I think was probably the best because, you know, ride operating is kind of hard. Like I thought it was hard at first, but like the more experience I got with like the little rides made me really like prepare me for a steel vengeance. Gotcha. Was it, is it, um, is ride operator at like at some of the major coasters? Is that something everybody is trying? Is that a role everybody is trying to get or how does that, how does that work? Um, it depends. Like I know a lot of people do want to stay away from steel vengeance because of how many people it takes to run it. Yeah, and like all of the positions, and some people don't like metal detecting and stuff like that. Um, I is would say the, for me, 
Is it the screening pro? Is it the screening positions that that you mean cause it to have more staff involved in in operating that? Like screening and just like how big the ride is in general. Gotcha. Because it's the most popular ride in the park. So yeah, yeah. And there's there a lot like, of, you know, there, is there a lot of is there more pressure? There is operating pressure. Okay. So much more pressure. Explain that a little bit or dig into that just if you don't mind for a minute. Explain what's different about ride operating at, at something like Steel, Steel Vengeance versus one of the smaller, you know, flat rods at the park or, or, or less popular rods. Explain to me what the what the difference is when we talk about pressure there. Is it just from a dispatch time perspective? Is it that kind of thing or, or what is that? Well, yeah, it kind of depends. Um, I would say definitely from just like the demand of the ride in general and the um requirements that our ride has that's it's just so much it's way different than like any other ride in the park so when you're interacting with guests you know they can get really frustrated with you because you have to explain to them that you can't have your phone in your pocket yeah and you know like if you let a phone like if you miss a phone um at metal detection you can get in trouble for that so that's where a lot of the pressure comes in because like you have to make sure that you're always paying attention to the guests and making sure that you can catch any phones and loose articles because yeah. you don't want something to fly out even if it's like a chapstick or something yeah we don't allow anything in your pockets to fly out and hit somebody because it has happened before um nothing too a, serious but they have been injuries from little stuff is there a screening process for every major coaster at cedar point or, or just still vengeance it's just still vengeance why 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 is that exactly for still um, as opposed to some of the other coasters yeah so like for millennium force i would say it's like it is a major ride because of how much speed it has and how tall it is yeah but i would say that like millennium force doesn't really get into some of the other things that gotcha. our ride does gotcha like all we have the most as far as the as far as the layout or are you actually talking yeah, about the like the ride experience gotcha because we have the most airtime in the world and most of it is ejector airtime. Yeah. Actually, I would say all of it is ejector airtime. So, you know, with all that involved and like all the inversions and how long the ride is, you have so many opportunities for stuff to just fly out and hit somebody in the face mm-hmm. or fly out and hit someone on the pathway. So, yeah, and there's been multiple instances of before we had uh, metal detectors in our line. Gotcha. Of people just getting hit with stuff in other people's pockets. So that's is that the challenge? Is that the most challenging part of doing ride ops at Steel Vengeance for you? Um, I would say definitely at first, but like you know, the more you get used to it and you get more experience with like metal detecting, um, it becomes really easy and you can really tell gotcha. like where stuff is on somebody. But I would also say that like. Um, efficiency on our platform is yeah. also hard and something you have to like ease into what's the um what's kind of the trick there what's what's the trick behind a a quick dispatch time so you really need guests to just listen to whoever's talking over um over the spieler because at steel vengeance we have a thing where like if you pull down the lap bar we have to unlock it yeah i mean you don't have to but like usually that's what usually happens but um some guests also don't realize that there's a seatbelt on the seat so you know you also have to tell them that they have to buckle their seatbelt so gotcha. so so there's a lo- 
Still, Vengeance is an RMC that you ask people to just do a seat, just do a seat buckle first, and then y'all will come through and pull down the restraint. Yeah. Okay. So a gotcha. lot of it comes from guest involvement. You know, walking through the gates pretty fast. Um, usually, if they see uh, the staff moving really fast, that they'll usually also um, pick up on that. Yeah. And then also, most of it does come from like. Um, your associates. So everyone has to be working together because if you have someone that's like even one person out of the four people on platform, that's slow. Yeah. Um, it just messes everything up. So everyone has to work together. How do teams get put together? Um, operating the rods. Is that something do y'all kind of train together or is it everybody does separate training and you just kind of get what you get as far as who's on the platform? Um, so like we do rotation. So like, you know, you'll just eventually hit platform gotcha. or when you're coming back from break, you'll be put on platform. Um, they definitely do put the faster people on platform first before anyone else. So, yeah. So um, at a ride, so at a ride, like, like still vengeance is just, just for example, how many positions do you have? Oh, there's a lot. There's oh, yeah. a lot. So I think at the max, you could have 19 people okay. working still vengeance. You can have like, Two at entrance, one at the merge point for fast lane. Yep. And then there's like four positions involved with screening. And then you have the grouper. Then you have platform attendants, controls. And then there's also like two uh, separate positions for alternate access. Oh, gotcha. For ADA. Yep. And that also, ADA is pretty hard to deal with too, of how much is going on at that ride. So yeah, it takes a lot of people, the most in the park for sure. You mentioned the control position. Is that is that something you've rotated into previously? Yes. Okay. What's Many involved times. what's involved there? Is there additional training involved there or, or or is it just another position? So yeah, with controls, um, you have to it takes about two hours at least, or like an hour to two hours at least from like base training. And then after you're done with that, you have to take a test. And I think you have to get 30 out of 33 questions right okay. to pass it. And then after that, if you pass it, you, um, you'll have someone watch over you for like a couple minutes. And then after that, you sign off. And that's pretty much when you can be in controls by yourself. So are you, as this may sound like a dumb question, but you as... Uh, you, you as a um, staff for controls or, or doing the control position, are you the basically the final say on no, no on go, no go for a dispatch? Yes. Okay. What's the, um, what's the standard dispatch time for like still vengeance? What's the average? I would say our average time, you know, obviously it depends on who's on platform or not, but um, you can dispatch as early as 40 seconds. Okay. But, I would say our average is definitely about a minute, especially near the end of the season. How does that compare to the rest of the park? Um, is that one of the fastest dispatch times? Yeah, it's definitely faster than like Maverick and Millennium Force, I would say. But I think that Magnum still might have the fastest interval in terms of efficiency at the park. Is that, just, would, is that just based on the ride system or is that based on kind of how that's typically staffed uh the ride system okay yeah i would definitely say it's probably the second fastest 
right in the park behind Magnum. Okay. All right. Yeah. And I, and I say that as somebody who doesn't know, like really how the controls differ from one manufacturer to, or to the other or how dispatch varies manufacturer to manufacturer. I don't know if it was wildly different for RMC relative to, you know, B&M relative to something like Intamin or something, you know what I'm saying? I, I didn't know if there was a whole yeah. lot of difference or if there was, if it, if it was pretty standard across the board, as far as how dispatch occurred from a systems perspective. I think a lot of them use the same system. Okay. It just depends on like what processes you have to go through to check the train and stuff. Cause I know on millennium force that gets really um, like hands on. Cause I think you have to check the seatbelt twice before you check the lap bar. Really? And, yeah. Why and is that? I, Why is that? Do you know, I actually don't know. I think cause you can't really see the seatbelt on them. Okay. All right. First. But at steel vengeance, you just have to look at the seatbelt and see that it's buckled correctly. Gotcha. And then you just pull it on the lap bar and you go on. Is the uptime pretty good for Steel Vengeance these days? I don't know if it's just me working the ride that makes me like realize how much downtime we have. Oh, yeah. you know, I was always there. But I would say it's pretty reliable compared yeah. to other rides. Like we've never really went down for like weeks or days. Gotcha. I think we've only went down for like one day, one full day. But other than that, we usually stay up most of the time. So, so for folks who really don't know, they see, they, they, they come into a park like Cedar point and a, let's just say a coaster goes down at some point during the day. What's the typical cause of that downtime? And then what's involved in, in, um, procedurally bringing that back online. Um, so like usually whenever a ride goes down, it's just precaution. Like the ride, the computer thinks there's something wrong. Yeah. Most of the time there's, actually nothing wrong with it at all but the computer like it's i don't know confuses itself and it's like okay i'm just gonna shut myself off yeah you know the ride stops in the lift till and that's where you get a lot of like the clickbait articles sure or like stops on a brake run um so yeah you have to call the moment it happens you have to call maintenance yep. and our communications like department i guess and that's where you uh tell like our area management um what happened who has to disperse that information is that the controller that does that controls usually okay but someone else can if you don't know what to say for sure i got like you. supervisors and stuff like that they can help you with that what's what's your role once maintenance arrives and and goes through their whatever checks they go through what's what do you have to kind of do in the interim there um you really don't do anything um i think most of the time they want us to entertain guests on platform, which is actually pretty fun sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah but once maintenance gets there, you really, you don't do anything until they so say we're done. I was going to say they release it back to operations yeah. at some point. Yeah. And okay. then they, you have to get their signature and you have to get, I think you only have to get their signature. Ah, okay. Is maintenance is maintenance at Cedar point. The, is that a pretty big group? Oh yeah, it's a very big group, but um, I think it's split between areas. So like we have people that come to our ride routinely because okay. they, just, they just know what's wrong with it yep. and how to fix it. Um, and the reason I ask is I'm 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 my kind of my home park is Dollywood, and I know they're set up in a way that the, you know the, basically the team that works on that ride is is responsible solely for the maintenance of that ride. So I didn't know if that was the oh, same. Really? 
Yeah, I don't know if that was the same situation at, at Cedar Point or if, or if they kind of had zones that certain groups were responsible for. So that is interesting. What's the, um, is there, an, it, this is kind of the last question on this front. Is there an aspect of operating a roller coaster in a major theme park like Cedar Point that most folks wouldn't, may not realize? Working Steel Vengeance specifically, like it really, at first, it will really take a lot out of you. Oh, yeah. I would say it's a lot more demanding of a job than some people might think because you might be standing for your entire shift and yeah. you might have 65 hours that week in the sun, you know, yeah, just always exposed to, you know, outside. So I would say it's definitely um, a demanding job. Gotcha. Well, let's go back to kind of the, um, We'll, we'll kind of divvy away from that. Like I said, I just, I know our folks will find that interesting, um, especially you having that experience that you have. Um, but I guess kind of back to, back to you as the theme park roller coaster enthusiast, are there aspects of parks of coasters that are super interesting to you? So like for me, I'm really interested in park design and, and park operations. I would say I'm definitely really interested in like um, the trains and roller coasters and like, um ride operations and like capacity and efficiency and how many people are able to get on that ride in an hour and how you can make it faster make the line shorter and stuff like that yeah is there a particular um manufacturer that you found that or that you've seen kind of working at cedar cedar point that's um operationally is a little better than another i've heard over the years that you know the b&ms are, are super reliable Oh yeah, easily. Just with how many people you can fit on like their trains and how reliable they are and how easy it is to get trains out, B&Ms definitely are like the highest throughput in the park. Yeah. Compared to a ride like Steel Vengeance where, you know, the trains move a little bit slower through the station and stuff. So it is a little more challenging to get more trains out. And you have less people on the train than a B&M. Yeah. So yeah, B&Ms are definitely the best in terms of throughput and like efficiency at yeah. Cedar Point. What's the best B&M in the park? Oh, I go back and forth with this all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I would say right now, I would probably say for me, it's Raptor. Okay. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, I really like just all the inversions and the whippiness through the uh, zero G roll and the Cobra roll. And it's a pretty long ride. Yeah, you like it better than Banshee at Kings Island? Yes. Okay. Only because I think that Banshee lacks a lot of the intensity that yeah. Raptor has, because Raptor's a little older, so you know you get some more jank with it. Yep. I would say Banshee really doesn't whip you around as much. Yeah, beautiful paint scheme on on Raptor though. That with that yeah. train. Um, what's how has you visited? You know Cedar Point for a long time, and now you say you you visited some more parks in addition to. How's your perspective on visiting theme parks evolved from from an early age to kind of what it is today? Yeah, at first I just I just thought it was just all roller coasters because that's all Cedar Point used to be based on. Like definitely like 2012, it was just all roller coasters like in that era. Yeah. And then, you know, I went to Kings Island, I think when I was 10 and I was like, oh, wow, this is, 
I wouldn't say theme, but like it looked a lot better than Cedar Point. Talk and about talk. Let's hang right there for just a second. Today is that still the case between Kings Island and Cedar Point? No, <laughs> Cedar okay. Point's definitely evolved a lot since then, thankfully. Okay. But yeah, Cedar Point looks a lot better than it used to, especially with uh, Gatekeeper and yeah. Hotel Breakers being remodeled and some of the new restaurants they have. They've Perfect. definitely like overhauled the guest experience. I was going to say, is it pretty obvious today that Cedar Point truly is the flagship of the of the Cedar Fair parks as far as the way it's as far as the investments that occur in the actual park itself? Definitely, what you can tell. Okay. Definitely, yeah. I would say that we try probably the most new things because we had Forbidden Frontier, which just was similar to Ghost Town at Knott's Berry Farm, but it was like. They put it at Scooter Point and they just wanted to see how it like performed here. Yeah. Um, fortunately it's not here anymore, but yeah, you can see that they put more time and effort into Cedar Point with our restaurants and just little things that you really don't notice at first. What are those little things you're talking about that most folks would not know had they not visited before? I'm really thinking of like the Frontier Trail and just like it is a really nice place to just walk through. Um, you know, there's a, a lot of themed buildings that no one really talks about that are, um, it's Wild West themed. Yeah. And, you know, there's just trees everywhere and it's really beautiful. Yeah. And especially like now with Steel Vengeance and Frontier Town, they really just up their game and try to make Frontier Town a lot more beautiful than it used to be. And then like other small areas like the Gemini Midway, you know, that place got a really big investment with uh, Pipe Scream, I think. Yeah. Around 2012, 2013, 2014, maybe. But yeah, like that place really comes alive at night. It's what really we, pretty to see the lights. What year was the front end of the park or the gatekeeper entrance park main, main entrance there? When was that overhauled? 2013. It looks super nice. Again, again, especially compared to Kings Island's entrance. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Um, I would say we definitely need to work on the front entrance a little more, but what they have right now is really nice. Um, Do you have a go-to tip for somebody visiting Cedar Cedar Point for the first time? I would say, honestly, just like let, let yourself have fun and not like, if you're able to try to get as many days as possible at the park. So you're not like, rushing to go from this ride to this ride to this ride because there's so many rides in the park where like if you have two days you might miss some just because of maintenance or whatever the issue might be because you know cedar point does get really crowded um i would definitely say at least get fast lane for one of those days oh yeah okay I, i wasn't sure if that if that was a need or not what's uh what coaster am I heading heading to if um, when I first walk in the park in the morning? Where do I need to go? I would definitely just like stay near the back ish or like near the middle, like by Millennium Force, because I think Millennium Force is one of the bigger rides we have open for early entry. Yeah. Like Millennium Force and Gatekeeper. Those are two really big ones. But gotcha. definitely near the beginning, the from the park will get packed very easily so i don't need to head straight to steel vengeance when we when i walk in the walk in the game honestly i think that 
I see this all the time with just um, people coming to steal vengeance. And the issue is our ride likes to open late a yeah, lot of the time, like yep. at least in, sometimes an hour late. Sometimes we open on time, but even then, um, if our ride does open on time, our trains are moving a lot slower yeah. compared to how it will at night. And usually at night, our line dies down a lot. Gotcha. And the trains are moving a lot faster. So is I there would, that is there that much of a difference between morning and night as far as the actual ride experience on Steel Vengeance? Definitely in like the early morning. Okay. I would say the trains do move considerably slower. Hmm. That's interesting. Um well, so um let's kind of talk about just the actual social media creation side, which is a little more what this kind of focus of this podcast is. Do you have let me ask you first, do you have other social media creators that you like to follow on Instagram? Oh, definitely. definitely. What's some of your favorites? Um, I don't think his account is around anymore, but my favorite when I, I first started my account was Coaster Junkie. Okay. I think I took a lot of inspiration from like his editing style and like the type of shots that he had on his account. You know, he also just... I also was able to talk to him a lot. So he gave me a lot of like great advice on like how to take pictures and little things like that. So I would say he was definitely one of my first big, um, like people that inspired me. Yeah. Do you see Um, a lot of support in the, um, social media community as it relates to theme park photography and coaster photography? Yeah, there definitely is a lot of support. Um, everyone reposts each other's photos. Yeah. It's just a, like, if you think that a picture looks really good, you just repost it. Gotcha. And that's just how you show your support for that person. Were you, before you started the coaster photography stuff, were you, were you pretty, um, um, engaged, active in the, um, in just social media in general? Um, on other platforms, absolutely. Like YouTube and stuff. Yeah. You know, I used to watch like El Toro Ryan yeah. and all types of roller coaster YouTubers. But like on Instagram, not at all. Like <laughs> I never really like I had to learn how to use stories when I first made my account. Yeah. And yeah, I uh, didn't what, know anybody on there at first. So you were really familiar with coaster media from a perspective of like like POVs and stuff, that kind of thing. How did you end up doing coaster photography rather than like coaster video i don't know i think i'm just or i was a little too shy to just put myself on the camera and just do vlogs like that you know now i probably would do it now but i don't know i just was gonna ask is is that something you would you would you would be interested in doing i yeah i think um i really did try to get into like making videos of roller coasters and stuff like that. Yeah. But like, I don't know what, like what I would provide that would be different Yeah, from like other YouTubers and stuff like that. Yeah. Because like, you know, there's reviews and everyone does reviews. Everyone does park vlogs. So yeah, I don't know what I would uh, do differently. And you know, the photography portion of it also just takes up a lot of my time. I got you alone. Yeah. When I'm at amusement park. So I don't know. It's just like time management, and I just don't know where to start. Do you have another roller coaster photographer today that you 
Really appreciate, really enjoy their stuff. Kind of try to emulate today. I would say I definitely look up to like, um, as you said before, like thrilling moment. Yeah. I think he has some really nice photos. And then there's um, people like hang time tracer lights. He has some really good, some also some really good shots, some really good editing on his photos. And I would say, um, I think he has a different name now, but state line thrills definitely was like one of my main. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let me ask you this. So the same thing I asked Jack with really moments. What is, what are you looking for when you take a, um, um, photograph of a coaster? Do you yourself have a kind of a signature, I guess would be the best way to put it. I would say definitely with like drone pictures. Cause I think I'm one of the first photographers that kind of took on, um, drone photography at least yeah. at Cedar point so yeah drone pictures were are still a really big part of my account but i don't know i just try i do take zoom like close-up shots and far away shots of okay. posters i would say a lot of my signature really comes in when i'm editing yeah you know i just do things that other people don't really do or approve of really like i change the sky yeah. And I just try to make the rides pop, try yeah. to make them look a little more dramatic. And yeah, I would say there's definitely a bigger focus on my editing more so than yeah. um, in the moment taking pictures gotcha. that makes my signature. So that's why that's probably why I think I, I may just be making this up and I remember this incorrectly, but I feel like I, for your your stuff, I feel like it's more wide angle. Yeah. I do close-ups, but like not nearly as much as landscape. I think gotcha. landscape just look better. Yeah, I don't know. So most of those are your drone drone shots. Yeah, most of them are for my drone. Or like, you can take your camera on the Ferris wheel, and that also um, okay. There that you gives go. you some really good angles. And then also, the Coaster Mania boat tour is like a event we have every year, and they they take a boat around the park, and that also gives a lot of amazing angles to cedar point um if you just like go to one of the parks around cedar point like from across the water you take some shots from there it's also some really good ways to get landscape shots tell me about the drone photography what's involved in i do you have to have any kind of outside of what kind of clearances do you have to have to be able to operate a drone within the um, vicinity of cedar point so yeah so interestingly enough um it is not illegal to fly over cedar point with your drone if you really wanted to you could fly over the park with your drone and you wouldn't get in any legal repercussions for it yeah but um it's more so just like respecting the park okay. so you know because they'll ban you if they find out that you flew a drone really? over the park next to yeah it's a big thing so you know um I remember way before I even got the drone, I was just looking up, like, is this something that I can do? Is this okay? Yeah. Um, and then I found, like, the park's boundaries and, like, where their property line is. Um, yeah. They actually own a little bit of the water, so you okay. just have to be careful with that. But you have to register your drone with the FAA. You have to take a test. And I think that's really all um, when you're actually flying the drone, you have to make sure that you're able to see it with um, either your eyes or uh, binoculars. So, gotcha. Yeah. So, 
um, you've kind of, I mean, you've been a Cedar Point guy from, from, you know, long before I'm guessing before just the, just the kind of the meteoric rise of theme park, social media. Have you seen social media really influence the park experience at Cedar Point very much or, or not so much? Not at all, really. Yeah. I would say like, it still remains the same as like when I was a kid where people just go there to have fun. Yeah. You know, it's not really influencer like cause there's not anything too viral other yeah. than like the roller coasters, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, I would say that it's still the same. It used to be like 10 years ago and if like influencers haven't really made anything out of it. Yeah. Other than like, maybe if you're a roller coaster enthusiast and that's different of course, because then you know, you're always consuming stuff from influencers and content creators. So that impacts your park experience a lot more than just the average person. Do you meet a lot of content creators at the park? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. All the time. What's the relationship between Cedar, Cedar point, the park and those content creators, or I guess really better question would be, do you, do you have a relationship between, um, Cedar Point, the park, and kind of what you do on on Instagram. I know it's kind of a kind of a weird thing. You being an employee there, um, yeah. so a little different than your typical influencer. But what is that relationship, or is does that relationship really exist? It really doesn't exist. Like, I would say, like more in the past, they definitely did used to cater to like influencers and stuff like that. Yeah, like with the Steel Vengeance Media Day in 2018, they invited some over. Yeah, but now I would say there's less focus on it on like influencers and stuff like that. They're trying to move away from it. So me personally, I don't have any uh, relationship with Cedar Point. Okay. Other than being employed, right? Yeah. <laughs> so when you say they're trying to move away from, they're, they're kind of moving away from that. What are they, what do you see them kind of moving to kind of handling their own social media and just letting others cover that who want to cover it more traditional media outlets. What are you, what are you seeing there? I think like now influencers have gotten so like not big, but like bigger than they used to be at Cedar point Yeah, where they just make their own content now and they really don't need any like strings connected to Cedar point because they can just, they can be independent and do what they want. And I guess Cedar point is now focused more on like news coverage and stuff like that. Yeah as opposed to influencers because there's honestly you can only have like so many influencers until you start reaching the same audience over and over again because yeah. it's usually all roller coaster enthusiasts you know yep. yep so yeah you don't really need that many <laughs> so you've um you've got a great following on instagram over a hundred thousand followers how does um have you how did that growth occur was that um has that just been a kind of kind of steady continual growth over time? Is there any kind of insight you can you can provide into as far as a content manage, management strategy that you've employed to drive that growth or has that just kind of happened organically for you? Um so like definitely at first it was a lot more gradual. And I would say you have to learn the algorithm. You have to learn what the algorithm likes while also doing your own thing with your photos and explain explain that a little bit if you can you know i find that the algorithm 
prefers more landscape shots or if you do have a close-up picture it has to be highly detailed of like all of the writer's emotions and stuff like that so you have to like understand what the algorithm is looking for you know it likes more vibrant colors not really more darker colors and stuff like that really but so you, you think it, it actually gets into that you're the first person i've heard talk about the actual image content being a driver of the algorithm oh it absolutely is okay that's really it's probably, interesting. yeah it's probably the biggest like driver of how many likes you're going to get on a photo really but you know you also have to balance you can't just feed the algorithm all the time you also have to do stuff for yourself you know post things that you like and sometimes you just post things that the algorithm likes that you also like so it works out sometimes but yeah what's uh, what's your most popular um photo um do you know i think it's a picture of wicked twister okay it really isn't that impressive it has five thousand likes i think yeah like that's the biggest thing i had but um actually the biggest like piece of content that i've had um is a picture not a picture a video a wicked twister from its closing day yeah and with that it like went viral it, oh yeah it was crazy that's why i have like i would say eighty thousand of the followers i have now yeah it came from that yeah i would say wow probably all of them came from that that's insane um and you know i just see the video like everywhere like if you look up cedar point there's a chance you could see my video <laughs> with credit to me yeah and yeah i had like 70 over 70 million views on that reel alone wow wow do you engage a lot with the people that follow you um i i wish i definitely did a little more in the past than i do now yeah. because i'm just busier and don't really yeah. have as much time as i would like to focus on my account yeah but yeah i definitely in the past i definitely met up with a lot of people that wanted to meet me and stuff like that um just to show that i'm grateful for them yeah i understand just, yeah i definitely do and some people that I've met from my account actually became my friends. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, so you mentioned really trying to understand the algorithm. Does that mean that you've uh, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe in the past or maybe even still, um, do you look at analytics pretty closely on your, on your content? Do you have other tools that you use outside of, I guess, Instagram natively to kind of review that? I do. I don't really have like a system for it, but if you just look at my account and you just compare the impressions or engagement from yeah. photo to photo, you'll see that different types of photos, different types of skies, different types of roller coasters even yeah. get more likes than other pictures of roller coasters. So So you're seeing you're seeing clear correlation, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. You can definitely see that. Who um do you have a pretty decent understanding of of who your followers are? Are they solely coaster enthusiasts or do you do you know if it's a a different demographic or do you have any kind of insight into that at all? Yeah, so I would say 
I would say a lot of my followers are actually like general public, just people that are in Sandusky or in the area that just go to Cedar Point yeah. as like just for fun and stuff like that. Um, yeah, so the general public definitely makes up, I want to say at least 50%, if not more, of like my followers. Yeah. And then there's the other side, which uh, ties into the roller coaster community and, okay. you know, doozies, as you like to call them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What, um, I guess to kind of wrap us up a little bit, um, what's next for you? Are you, will you be back at Cedar Point next season? Yes. I'm definitely going to go back to Cedar Point next season. When do you find out kind of what your, um, what role you'll have? Um, I think last year I found out like in the beginning of April, late March. Yeah. Um, they send out like, what are your top three rides? And you respond to that and they try to accommodate. Okay. Uh, to so you do have, three. you do have some sort of say a little, uh, to some degree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I I'm, just, beyond just roller coasters, it's just such a fun place to be, yeah. you know, it, and the people are just so great too, because if it weren't for the people, I probably would be miserable. Um, working get, as much as you do at Cedar point. Sure. Do you um do you plan on having do you have any other park visits or theme park visits lined up for next year or coming up soon? Um, I really am trying to go to Florida. Yeah. But it just depends on like my financial situation and stuff like that. But um right now I'm tr- trying to go to Florida to go to Universal. Yeah. Like SeaWorld and Disney, probably sometime this winter. Yeah. Or definitely next year for sure. Um also definitely want to get out to California, but that might be <laughs> a little further out. <laughs> I understand. I understand. Well, so I guess uh last question, what's the what what's what's the goal now as far as it relates to your Instagram content? Is it still just something fun you enjoy doing or is it, do you want to take that further in some way? You know, I would say I thought about that question like in mm, like the middle of October, I would say. Yeah. And I was thinking, I was like, I'm not really enjoying what I'm posting anymore. Yeah. So why I is, realized. I was why like, is that? What, why, do you, what do you, why do you say that? I don't know. I feel like I was just posting things to feed the algorithm. Yeah. Instead of posting things that I actually want to post. Yeah. So, you know, at that point, I remember I was in class, I was just thinking about it. And I remember like in 2021 when I would used to put fake skies on my photos all the time. And that's like something I really enjoyed doing back then. Yeah. I was just like, I moved too far away from that. Yeah. So now like I, let me look, I made like a whole bunch of different edits from that day forward. And you can see like, the difference I think from August, not August, October 19th is when I really started to change the types of photos I were, I was putting out Yeah, and moved away from feeding the algorithm to posting things that I enjoy. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Well, man, maybe it's, I, <laughs> maybe it's time to just to revisit that YouTube idea. 
Yeah, maybe. I'll tell you what would be a really this is this is totally this is just me, okay? Okay. But would be really cool and something totally different from from the from the theme park photography. I think it would be really cool to follow somebody if you could do it. I know you work crazy hours, but it would be it would be really neat to follow somebody who works at Cedar Point as a YouTube series, just, just take them, you know, take, follow them through the entire season at Cedar point and basically document the entire season. Oh my God. That would be, that that would be so much fun. That would just be a really interesting, unique thing that I've never seen. You know what I'm saying? On YouTube. For sure. Because like this season was just packed with so much action, but like it was also just so much fun all the time. You know, you, you get to meet all these different people from everywhere. So, yeah, it would definitely be interesting to show, like, what it's like working at Cedar Point. Yeah. Cause, that, would, that would be fascinating. That would be a fascinating yeah. thing. And just take it, you know, make, this, make the series, just take it through the normal season length. Season open to season close. And cover it in a way that's, to me, that's, you talked about being something, being different, doing something different. That's the angle that's different than your typical content creator showing up at a park, showing up at a park as a visitor. You know what I'm saying? And, yeah. and, and doing the normal, you know, now I'm going to ride this. Now I'm going to ride this. It's not that at all. It's a, this is me working at Cedar point. Obviously you're limited to what you can show, but that doesn't mean you can't talk about your day or talk about what's going on walking around the park. To me, that's just a really fascinating idea. I really like that idea. Especially just like life and Sandusky as a Cedar point operator. Yep, because nobody you know, you get, get to go out with everybody from your crew, so you get to hang out with them all the time, and it's just so much fun. Yeah, and nobody ever sees that. Nobody yeah. ever shows that. No, no, I'm I'm just telling you, they they just every, people that are not roller coaster fans, they're not necessarily theme park fans, can get into the idea of watching a series about someone who operates a roller coaster at Cedar Point through a season. You know what I'm saying? That's just a that's an easy sellable thing to anybody. Wow. That's something you come across on YouTube. You say, oh, crap, I got to watch that, even though I'm, I may not care anything about parks or anything like that, but that sounds interesting. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Anyway, think about that. You got to waste. <laughs> you got to waste before the season starts again. So, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Coasters and Creators. As always, it's sponsored by Next Stop Air and Travel, making Disney vacation planning easy, free, and fun. Head to nextstopairin.com to get started. And if you get a second, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We'll see you next time.